everyone, you're here with the Curly-Headed Chemist. My name is Sandrika, and I am a second-year graduate student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Getting here wasn't easy, and neither is staying on track, but that's a totally different story for another day. Today, I want to talk to you guys about how you should approach applying to graduate school, and while I'm doing that, I will give you a little more of my background story. Like I mentioned, during my first podcast episode, I didn't plan on pursuing a research career when I started my undergrad. I thought I was going to be some sort of medical doctor. Then I thought I wanted to be an occupational therapist. I even shadowed an occupational therapist that my mom knew, and I really enjoyed it. But when my family and my professors asked me what my interests were, nothing really aligned with what I was saying I wanted to be. I think we often make ourselves out to be what society wants us to be, rather than listening to our own wants and following our heart. I know that that sounds cliche, but there are so many people out there heading off to a job that their parents or family decided for them. I mean, there are people that are running whole businesses they never wanted to run. There's medical doctors treating people when they don't even like people. Now, I love people and I love helping people, which is a big reason why I started this podcast. But I just didn't feel like I could be strong enough for my patients. I was so uncertain of myself because I knew I wanted to impact society in some type of way, but I just didn't know how. Everyone kept asking me what my interests were. To be honest, I didn't know what they meant. I didn't have any real hobbies. I wasn't a sports fan. I just went to school and work. And I did that religiously. Every day was the same thing. Class, work, class, work. So I didn't have time to think about my interests. And I didn't make time to think about my interests. So I recommend to all of you to start doing that now. Start thinking about exactly what you want to do. Ask yourself, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, seriously, what kind of career do you want? What job could make you want to wake up every day just to get to work? What makes you excited? And remember that the answers to these questions are going to change as you grow And keep that in mind as you're deciding what path you want to take. The day I stepped into the lab, research became this driving force in my life. It was the type of work that didn't feel like work most of the time. And when I discovered that I could turn this hobby into a career, I was all in. But I knew to get the type of position I would want, I would need to further my education, which is how I ended up in graduate school. Now, this won't be everyone's choice. You can get a STEM career without a master's or a PhD. These degrees just allow you to explore more career options as you work your way up the ladder. Now, if you're unsure, I might suggest giving grad school a shot. Or you can also start working for a company and then go to grad school later. Just remember that research-based programs will basically be no cost to you. Unlike the ridiculous cost to to get a bachelor's or associate's degree, graduate programs will most likely pay for your tuition 
and provide you with some sort of health insurance while paying you a stipend as a teaching or a research assistant. Once you've decided to go to graduate school, you'll have to decide what schools to apply to. I started searching in the summer of my junior year when I was at an REU program at Georgia Tech, which stands for a Research Experience for Undergraduates. I had a graduate student mentor, and when he asked me where I wanted to go, I really wasn't sure. So he named a few places, and the first thing that hit me was that none of those schools that he named were anywhere near my hometown. That almost struck down all my grad school dreams right there. So I started to do my own research. I looked for the top chemistry graduate school programs near me. I used usnews.com a lot, but I was super picky. I only looked into programs that were in my region. Because for me, I wanted to prioritize staying close to home to get the best education I could get, but also to be near my support system. For me, I couldn't leave my support system for too long, and it was important that I realized that early on before I got all the way to somewhere like Seattle and realized that I couldn't stand being away from my family for more than two, three months. But here's a disclaimer. If you find yourself in a program that's not the right fit for you, Maybe you're too far away from your support system. Maybe you don't have any support from the students and professors there. Maybe you don't feel like you fit in. Remember that if a program is not a good fit for you, that program is not your end-all, be-all. You can decide to move. Yes, it might mean that you have to start all over again. Yes, it might mean that it takes you a little longer to get your PhD or your master's, but if you really want it, you will move. And I've seen graduate students that have moved because maybe a professor wasn't supportive enough, or maybe they needed to move back close to home for family reasons. And because they really want that degree, it didn't matter as long as they had money to pay their bills and they were secure, they were happy. I'm just here to say that your mental and emotional health are very important and you need to consider those when you're considering what programs to apply to, what programs to stay in long term, all these things. For me, with my home body feelings in mind, I picked five schools to apply to. Five was a safe number for me because I had also decided to apply for the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship. And I was already pretty crazy busy with work and research. Now, I did more research than just looking at Google Maps and U.S. News to figure out what schools I wanted to apply to. I also looked into each school and the professors within their chemistry departments. I looked into the groups I was interested in. I searched for those groups' papers. I paid close attention to group pictures to feel out a group without getting to meet them first. And to pick the schools that I would apply to, I made a big Excel sheet that listed the university, the location, the professors I wanted to work with, their research topics, and their contact information. 
if you belong to a really collaborative cohort of undergraduate students, all of you should do this and then share your list amongst each other. Help each other make the process easier or harder if you're not really good at making decisions, but just use each other and lean on each other throughout this process. Next, you'll have to prioritize the groups and universities that you're most interested in. Now, many of you will make your decision about where to apply based on the rank of the program or the rank of the division. For instance, UNC Chapel Hill has one of the top two analytical programs in the nation. So many people based their application on the fact that they wanted to be in that analytical division. I would say that if you're going to base your applications all on rank, you're being a little bit naive because even though rank is important to an extent, you still need to think about your interests. What type of research can you really see yourself doing for the next five years? What techniques do you want to specialize in? Electrochemistry, mass spectrometry, spectroscopy, microscopy. You'll need to think about these questions when it comes to building your application and really tailoring your statements to the type of research that you want to do. Because remember, these programs are looking for your potential to do research. Personally, for me, I based the schools that I was going to apply to on my research interests and the location. Once you decide on the schools you'd like to apply to, start looking at their application requirements. If you're applying for the NSF Graduate Research Fellowship, which you should because you can only apply once as a senior undergraduate and once as a graduate student, you can use your application materials to your advantage. For the NSF Graduate Research Fellowship Program, you'll have to write a personal statement and a research proposal. These will be due most likely by October, whereas graduate school applications will be due closer to December. So you can use your written personal statement as a starting point for your personal statement for graduate school applications. Remember, I'm saying to use it as a starting point. The personal statement that you're going to write is going to be nothing like the one you wrote when you applied to college. They're not looking for your life story. They're looking for your potential to do research. They want your research history. More information than what's on your CV, but not too much information either. Pay special attention to length requirements if they're given. If they're not given, I wouldn't give a personal statement over the length requirement of that for the NSF Graduate Research Fellowship. I started my personal statement by giving a short blurb about my past and how it influenced my path towards science. Then I summarized my time at the College of Charleston and the research I did while I was there. I provided the topic of the research techniques and tools that I used, and the applications of the research that I was doing. I did the same thing for my REU experience. Then I concluded with my interest in the specific graduate program I was applying to. I provided names of professors I was interested in 
as well as projects that really intrigue me. Unfortunately, you'll spend a lot of time on your personal statement, but it is most likely not going to be the first item reviewers look at. I know that the personal statement is important, but I believe it might be a little bit more useful once you're admitted because professors can refer to this statement to learn more about you if they're really interested in you joining their group based on your CV and your reference recommendation letters. The most important items that give a big generalized snapshot of your research potential are the reference recommendation letters and your CV. Ask professors to not only write you a reference letter, but ask them to write you a strong, positive letter of reference. If you're close enough to them, you can even ask them to speak on qualities that make you a better candidate. Maybe you work well with other people or you've mentored people in the lab and they can speak about these things in their reference letters. When you ask for a reference, be sure to give them your deadlines and send links. If links are provided for the submission of the reference letters to the specific university. Ask for help with your CV. Go to a career center and get feedback. Take advantage of workshops meant to improve CVs and resumes. Even if you don't want to use your free time to do this, remember that you're investing in your future. You're investing in your career. Graduate school is not short and it is not easy. So really invest in getting into the place that's right for you. I know I sure took advantage of all the workshops and all the help that I could. And I think I ended up in a pretty awesome place. Also, I would suggest that you look at other professional CVs, um, such as your professors, or maybe you have an older sister or brother that has gone through something similar, and use their CV and somewhat mirror it, but with your own personal experiences. Make sure that you double check all your documents for mistakes and get others to review them. Careless mistakes can make you look pretty sloppy and you want to put the best version of yourself on paper. This is all that reviewers have to base your acceptance on. So really give them a good picture of you. Lastly, I want to say to take the GRE with enough time to retake it if you need to. I took the test in September, giving me more than enough time to retake it if I needed to by December. You may want to have your schools in mind when you go to take this test because you can send your scores to up to four schools for free. Take advantage of anything and everything that is free in this process because graduate school applications aren't cheap. Remember how you had to pay for those college applications? Well, you got to pay for grad school applications too. Sometimes if you apply by a certain priority deadline, the application will be free. So be sure to look out for those deadlines as well. Also with the GRE and your GPA, try not to stress over them too much because many reviewers place more weight on your references and your research experience. Remember, it's all about your potential to do research. These scores 
only allow reviewers to take an objective stance on you if they have to at the last minute. Once you're done perfecting your application and you hit submit, try not to stress too much. You'll end up where you're supposed to be. And maybe that means that you end up in a program that's not exactly the right fit for you. But remember what I said, this grad program does not have to be your end-all be-all. Maybe you're meant to be there just to learn a little bit from that experience. I hope these tips and words of encouragement really help you guys in the application process. Thanks for listening to the Curly-Headed Chemist.